welcome back to our podcast. I'm welcome Sierra. Welcome back. And I'm Kirsten. And this is Killer's Crime and Coffee. Woo. This is part two of the Ted Bundy. So this Ooh. is going into his capture, his trial, you know, all that good stuff. So, um, how was your week, Kirsten? Oh, it's just absolutely... Chef's kiss. Yes. How's your week? Um, it was pretty good. My weekend was good. Yes, tell them about your weekend. Tell them what you did. I had my birthday, and I went and tasted Ooh. wine, and then I Yay. went. And then I went to dinner, and I got presents, and it was fun. Yay. And I was really tired the next day. Yeah, ditto. I went to the fair, so. Yeah, our hometown fair, our yeehaw fair. Yeehaw fest. Uh, we're not drinking it. I'm drinking water. Kirsten's not drinking anything. So Yeah, we're like really bad at our we're jobs. We're really slacking here. Um, but yeah, yeah. we're just, we're just going to get right into it because it's pretty late. Yeah. Thanks to Kirsten. I told you. I told you where you I was going. You said 4.30, buddy. I said the appointment is at 4.30. That's what I said. You said 4.30. Yeah, I said I have a so, doctor's appointment at 4.30. No, you just said 4.30. No, I didn't just walk up and say Sierra 4.30. 4.30. Okay, so um, we're just going to get right into it. So he went over all the victims that, um, all of his victims, which was pretty rough. So, yes. yeah. I'm so not sure one, if I'm mentally prepared for this one. Well, this one isn't as like, oh, he raped and murdered and chopped up all these people. It's just, it's just pretty much just like the capture of him. Um his trial, that kind of stuff. So, okay. It's it doesn't it's not as like gory as the first one because it's not the actual crimes, it's just the trial. Okay. Okay. So, August 1975, police actually attempted to stop him for a driving violation. Um they were suspicious when he tried to get away um, by turning his car lights off and speeding through stop signs. He was finally stopped in his signature car and was searched where police found handcuffs, an ice pick, a crowbar, panty holes with eye holes cut out, and a lot of other questionable items in his car. He also had the front seat on his passenger side um, of his car. It was missing. So he had all this very interesting equipment in his car, and the passenger seat of his car was completely missing. Oh, fantastic. So they arrested him on suspicion of burglary because I could see that as like being suspicious tools for a burglary. Yeah. Um, police compared the things they found in Bundy's car to the things that Carol Duranch, which was one of his sur the surviving victims, mm -hmm. described as see like seeing in her attacker's car. Um, the handcuffs had been placed on her wrist were the same ones that were in Bundy's possession at the time of him being detained. Once, you know, those were the same handcuffs and then she actually picked Bundy out of a lineup. Um, so the police after this felt that they had enough evidence to charge him with attempted kidnapping because they can't, obviously, they can't connect him to the murders just yet. Mm -hmm. So that's what his first, like, charge was for being able to detain him is she... They had, he had the same handcuffs, and she was able to pick him out of a lineup, so they are charging him for attempted kidnapping. 
The authorities also felt confident that they had the person responsible for this tri-state murder spree that had gone on for more than a year, which is that, like, large murder spree, like, every month. Yeah, I was gonna ask if they, like, had an idea that he might have been the one yeah. involved yeah, in so that. Yeah, were, so they were suspicious of it, but obviously they didn't have any evidence yet, so they were just holding him on the attempted kidnapping charge as right. of right now. So Bundy, while, um being while in jail awaiting his trial actually escaped twice um how that happened couldn't tell you the first time bundy escaped he actually was in the library because because he was a former law student he planned to defend himself um once it was brought upon him that you know they were charging him for murder mm -hmm. so he arranged for him to have certain privileges that like other prisoners wouldn't have because he was defending himself so he was technically you know he was his own lawyer uh -huh. so he was given his own telephone credit card and this was supposedly paid for by the state he was also given special health food and had access to law books and paper reports so he was given a lot more um space to plan and get away he was also um very good-natured and charismatic towards the jailers and they gave him access to the law library where he was able to freely freely move about without his legs and shackles which is their biggest mistake so that's kind of how he um, escaped the first time. He had pretty much, he had been in the law library during a break from court and he leapt out a second story window and he dropped about 30 feet and ran. Oh. Yeah, so how he survived a 30 foot drop out of a second story window is a little cray cray, but um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that, that's that's okay. what I said. Um, he was later cap. He was captured a week later on December thirtieth, nineteen seventy seven. So, you know, he was captured, but um, he did escape again. It was right before the new year. He actually escaped the Garfield County Jail by slipping through a one foot square light fixture hole in his cell ceiling, and he crawled through the hole and made his way through the plumbing and wiring in the ceiling climbed into a closet that was connected to a jailer's apartment and then fled. <laughs> so, uh, how this okay. man fit yeah. through a one-foot square hole from a light fixture in his ceiling of his jail cell is, like, beyond me, but he somehow did it without getting caught. Um, this time, he actually headed out of town, though. He stole a car in Glenwood Springs and he pretty mm -hmm. much used that until the car broke down and then he hopped on a bus and he was trying to make his way to Florida but he um, was captured. For his first trial he went to trial for attempted kidnapping of Carol Durant in February 1976. After waiving his right to a jury trial he was found guilty and sentenced to 15 years in prison. During this time, police were able to investigate and kind of link Bundy to the Colorado murders. Um, according to his credit card statements, he was in the area where several, several women vanished in early 1975. 
In October 1976, he was actually charged with the murder of Karen Campbell. Hmm. So, he was sentenced to the 15 years, and now they're starting to connect all these murders to him, which brings, obviously, about another trial where he wants to defend himself and become his own lawyer. Right. And and this is, you know, the part where he somehow escapes twice, which... Why? Literally, why? He was extradited from the Utah prison to Colorado for the trial. He served as his own lawyer and was allowed to appear in court without um, leg cuffs. And this gave him, you know, the opportunity to move around the courtroom as any lawyer would, which I still think was a little crazy that they let him do that. Like, I know he's he's representing himself, but he's Mm -hmm. also a murderer and a kidnapper and a rapist so yeah i don't yeah i don't understand that thought process like i like i he could have moved around freely but still had something chained to his legs yeah or even like a tracker didn't they like didn't they have that kind of stuff then i mean that wasn't that long ago 1975 i feel like they had something they had to have something you know you had something people you really just they just let it go too 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 far with yeah i agree um in during like this trial where he was his own lawyer bundy said more than ever i am convinced of my own innocence so, buddy, you need to do some self-reflecting. So, yeah. So, in June 1977, during the pre-trial of the murder, um, he this is when he escaped by jumping out the, li- the law library window, and he escaped a week later. Mm-hmm. On December 30th, 1977, um, he made his he actually made his way all the way to Tallahassee, Florida, where he rented an apartment near Florida State University under the name Chris Hagen. And he was very familiar with, like, the college life, so he managed to kind of fit in. Even though he was a little older, he managed to fit in in that college, like, town atmosphere for that week. Mm-hmm. He managed to buy food and pay his way at local college bars with a stolen credit card. Um, he would duck into lecture halls and listen to the speakers when he was bored. So it's not even, like, during, like his first escape he was in hiding and you know nobody could find him like he was out and about like he was going to buy food he was going into this college that was near him and sitting in on lectures and like nobody somehow nobody like noticed this guy for an entire week okay all right so this is when the sorority house murders actually happened that we covered in the last episode so last episode i kind of just went through all of the murders um but he did do the sorority house murders during his like week-long escape so they could have very easily prevented this if they would have been more you know secure with him being detained and stuff in court and not giving him so much freedom caution sense yeah yeah he got arrested again he was captured he still at this point believes that he can beat everybody he thinks he's claiming his innocence he thinks he's gonna get out of jail free not be convicted of all of these murders after what he just did on his little week-long killing spree 
um, they turned down a plea bargain where he would plead guilty to killing two of the sorority members and Kimberly LaFouch in exchange for a 25, for three 25-year sentences, which he, you know, didn't take. So that was kind of... <laughs> He, he had this, like, thought in his head that I'm going to, I'm going to win, I'm going to yeah. prove my innocence, they can't, they have nothing on me. When well, that was, like, reality. his big, like, part of his persona, is just, like, how cocky he was. Yeah. And just, like, I don't know. Just, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, he was just, you know, he was crazy. He was crazy. So, Bundy went on trial in Florida of June, of, June 25th, 1979 for the murders of the sorority women. The trial was televised and Bundy played up to the media when, on occasion, he acted as his attorney. He was found guilty on both murder charges and given two death sentences by means of the electric chair. So, again, he could have taken three 25-year sentences, which, you know, would be the rest of his life, most likely. But he decided that he didn't want to, and he chose the... I don't even know if you want to... I guess the easy way out. But it is out of his own stupidity. Yeah. Because um, he really... This man really believed that he was gonna... He was gonna win it. He was gonna... He was in it to win it. He was in it to win it. But he lost. Yeah. So during this trial, his behavior was much different than the previous one. Um, he displayed fits of anger. He slouched in his chair. Um, his, you know, professional look was replaced with like, like a deadly glare. So you can tell, you know, he knows he lost at this trial he is like realizing like i'm not winning this mm -hmm. i have no way of getting out of this because he was already served two death sentences um he was found guilty and he actually reserved received a third death sentence so he's now received three death sentences for all these murders that he's committed um, during the sentencing phase, Bundy surprised everyone by calling Carol Boone as a character witness and marrying her while she was on the witness stand. Boone was convinced of Bundy's innocence. She later gave birth to Bundy's child, a little girl who he adored. So I don't really know how that worked. I don't know how... So Carol was the girlfriend, right? Like... Is that who that was? No. This is... This is, like, some, like, fan. Like, he had that... that Which is why I'm not understanding. His girlfriend, when he was killing everybody, was Elizabeth Kendall. So, mm. this Carol Boone lady kind of was... It, it seemed like she was one of those, like, crazy, like, supporters. Like, he's innocent. Like, you know how, like him and yeah. like the night stalker had that like weird fan base mm -hmm. like oh he's so handsome like oh. yeah but how did she get pregnant with his that's kid? what i want to know let me see if i can find out google I... that shit <laughs> okay on. so this this is crazy i'm just gonna read this to you okay so he calls up this lady carol boone up to the stand to be one of his 
witnesses and he proposes to her while she's on the stand like in front of the judge like proposes to her during the trial right okay they get married that same day okay isn't he in jail yes but this is during the trial like literally like but you can get married while you're in jail yeah i remember that as i said it So, apparently, Bundy met Carol Ann Boone years before his trial when they both worked at the Department of Emergency Services in Washington. The relationship was platonic at first, but for some reason, Boone started dating Bundy before his trial for murder began and remained committed. Boone even moved to Florida to be closer to her husband after after he was convicted. Bundy was in Florida because he had been charged with the murders of the Florida State University students and with the attempted murder of a teenage girl who escaped. Um, Bundy was imprisoned in Florida State Prison for the murders of three of his victims, where Boone was permitted to see Bundy while he was on death row and was able to secure conjugal visits and even smuggle in drugs and money to him. Like, this is crazy. Um, You know, obviously they were breaking the rules, which means that somebody or people multiple people had to have known what was going on and allowing this yeah so conjugal visits weren't aren't approved to visitors who are on death row but because of ted bundy's fame and money and charm they believe he was able to charm and bribe the officers into letting them have private visits According to the Ted Bundy tapes, Boone said that the guards even walked in on them a few times and that they just didn't care. She got pregnant during one of these visits and gave birth to a girl on October 24, 1982. Bundy had been in prison since 1980, awaiting his execution, and had been in prison for a year before conceiving his child. Ew. Yeah. Rose Bundy, often called Rosa even met her dad multiple times carol actually had a son from a previous marriage and he was brought along for this unconventional family time as well that's nasty yeah it was elizabeth kendall who he was dating for five years that was his original girlfriend and she had broken up with him when he was committed of the crimes as she should yeah so that's kind of how that happened, I guess. I saw another thing where it says people are speculating about his wife's conception. Boone may have passed, or er, yeah, Boone may have passed an empty condom to Bundy via kiss, which he then filled and returned it in the same manner. Ew! Which is like dis- yeah, that's like disgusting. But you know. What the the first one's the first one sounds more um I don't even want to say realistic because that one's also like crazy, but Boone actually eventually did divorce Bundy after realizing he was guilty of all the murders, which I don't know how she ever thought that he was innocent. After endless appeals, Bundy's last stay of execution was on January seventeenth, nineteen eighty-nine, before being put to death. Bundy gave the details of more than 50 women he had murdered to Washington State Attorney General's Chief Investigator, Bob Keppel. Good old Bob. Good old Bob. (laughs) He also confessed to keeping the heads of some of his victims at his home, plus to engage in necrophilia with some of his victims. 
In his final, final interview, he blamed his exposure to pornography at an impressionable age as being the stimulant behind his murderous obsessions. I thought you said this one wasn't going to be as gross. But it's only, like, one gross. You know, yeah, but it's it, not... like, equals up to all the other grossness. Okay, well, I don't... Listen, I don't know what you expect. This is Ted... Ted I keep saying ten. I can't talk today. This is Ted Bundy. Many of those directly involved believed he actually murdered at least a hundred women. The electrocution of Ted Bundy went as scheduled amid a carnival-like atmosphere outside the prison. It was reported that he spent the night crying and praying and that he went and that when he was led to the death chamber, his face was sullen and gray. Any hint of the old charismatic Bundy was gone. As he moved into the death row chamber, his eyes searched across the 42 witnesses. Once he was strapped into the electric chair, he began mumbling. When asked by Tom Barton if he had any last words, Bundy's voice broke as he said, Jim and Fred, I'd like you to give my love to my family and friends. So, Jim was one of his lawyers. Uh, Jim, who was one of his lawyers, nodded, as did Fred Lawrence, the Methodist minister who prayed with Bundy throughout the night. So he had all these people, which is I just think is, like, kind of crazy. Bundy's head bowed as he was prepared for electrocution. Once prepared, 2,000 volts of electricity surged through his body. His hands and bodies tightened up and smoke could be seen coming from his right leg. Then the machine turned off and Bundy was checked by a doctor one last time. On January 24, 1989, Theodore Bundy, one of the most notorious killers of all time, died at 7.16 a.m. as crowds outside cheered, burn, Bundy, burn. As I'm with you guys. I'm with, I'm with you. you guys too. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I also, but I also kind of wish that he would have like rotted in prison for the rest of his life. I feel like he would have enjoyed that more, though. Probably. I feel like because, this was more like, of a all loss the for fans him. And, yeah, like he yeah. didn't win. Yeah, but at the same time, you just want to see him, you know, suffer a little bit more, a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Like if there was no like fans or like special treatment like you would just want him to sit there and suffer for the rest of his mm-hmm. life yeah. so yeah but um yeah so that was part two of the ted bundy trial it was not as long or as gruesome as the first one but it was still pretty well bad. damn it was still disturbing yes yeah, very disturbing yeah just the fact that like he escaped twice. He somehow had impregnated a woman while he was in jail. And then, yeah, had all these supporters was just a little cray cray to me, ma'am. So that was that episode. We hope you guys enjoyed. Yes, we hope we didn't give you nightmares for the rest of your life. Yes. Um, Make sure that you look at all red flags. If anything seems like Ted Bunny, you run away. Yeah, you run. You run away. But yeah, so, um, keep on, um, <laughs> keep on watching out for those Bundys out there. Keep on sipping your coffee. Yes. And yeah. 
All right. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to do it over a freaking yeah. recording. Yeah. Okay. What the fuck are you looking at, Eric? Hey, guys. Sierra here from Killer's Crime and Coffee. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook at Killer's Crime and Coffee, a true crime and paranormal podcast. Instagram at Killer's Crime Coffee Pod or our website at killerscrimecoffee.wixsite.com. You can email us any story suggestions or feedback at killerscrimecoffeepod at gmail.com. Make sure to follow our friend Kobe, who made our awesome intro music at coby.conraddd, Conrad, where you can also find the link to his personal music. Don't forget to follow us on Amazon and Spotify Music.